What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals Podcast. I'm Zach Durkin, and as always, sitting across from me is none other than Sean Robinson. What is going on, everybody? We're back for another episode. We are here doing, what, episode number nine now? Episode number nine, man. Time's flown. It's been a lot of fun, so I'm happy to be doing this, you know? Yeah, definitely. So we put out a post the other day on Instagram asking you guys to give us a little bit of feedback on what you guys wanted to hear from us on the podcast. Maybe there was a team that we didn't talk about that you guys really love or, you know, a a sport that we haven't really referenced enough on the pod. And we got a lot of great feedback. Let me just say that. Yes, we did. So we are bringing you the first ever Heated Rivals podcast mailbag episode. Why don't we just hop right into it, Sean? Yeah, let's do it, dude. Our first question was sent in by Etography Studios, and to be honest, we never talk about this sport, so it was kind of cool to see and get an opportunity to talk about it. He asked, how has boxing changed, and where is it going in the future? This is a good one. This is, and I gotta be frank with you. It's lost its luster over the last couple of uh, years, maybe decade and a half. It's really not something that people are flocking to when it comes on. I mean, you have a couple fighters here and there, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, uh, Deontay Wilder. But aside from those guys, it's really not as exciting to watch as it used to be. No, definitely not, Zach. Um, when I feel boxing kind of lost its luster was when McGregor decided he was going to face Floyd Mayweather. That's when I was kind of like, damn, uh, boxing is kind of a joke. Now we can just switch sports and all of a sudden just box whoever the fuck we feel like like i don't know kind of just seems like a slap in the face to guys in like the amateur ranks or even like lower name professional fighters who really grinded their entire lives to get to where they are and to have somebody you know go through a little bit of training uh and then all of a sudden get to face somebody like floyd mayweather like it's kind of fucked right and i think that the ufc not just conor mcgregor the ufc as a whole and mixed martial arts are sort of kind of the reason that the boxing world has not really been as popular as it was. The UFC is kind of gaining some footing against boxing, and I think in the next 10, 15 years, they might take it over as one of the more popular combat sports in the United States. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Um, I would definitely much rather go and watch a UFC fight now as opposed to a boxing match because... N- at least in the UFC, I know I'm not going to be watching like a gimmick of a fight. They're going to be two guys or gals that are just going to fucking brawl. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I mean, like, with the boxing today, you only have one person who's really going to go and do that, and that's Deontay Wilder. Tyson Fury's more of a technical boxer. Anthony Joshua, he's probably in the same category as Wilder as a, you know, 2A, 2B behind Fury, but that's just because he's a little bit better of a boxer than Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's going to knock you out in one punch, and that's it for you. Um, but back to the whole UFC thing, at least Conor McGregor was an actual fighter. Yeah. At least he was a professional fighter in a combat sport, unlike what we get today with these celebrity boxing matches. We, I mean, they've been going on forever, but I feel like now it's really kind of taken a toll on the boxing industry. It's really infuriating to watch. You know, like I said, I can only imagine how these amateur guys feel like, to watch fucking Logan Paul literally get knocked the fuck out and to have Floyd Mayweather just hold him up 
just to get through the rest of the fight? Like, what was the purpose of that? Like, like some of these guys aren't even making a fraction of what those two made for that eight-round exhibition match, and they're putting in ten times as much work and putting more blood, sweat, and tears into it than those two have. I mean, I can't really speak for Logan Paul, but I know Floyd hasn't been trading like that since he retired. Yeah, so... To, I didn't watch that shit. I only caught up with it on Twitter, but... Yeah, no. I'm not paying money for that. With all that said, I hope that answers your question, etography. I don't think boxing is what it used to be, and I don't really see light at the end of the tunnel based on the celebrity boxing and the joke it's kind of been cast down upon the boxing industry, so... Yeah. All right. There you go. So, our next question is a bit of a two-parter. Uh, two of our listeners actually asked two very similar questions. So shout out to Jay Culinary and Rich Simons. The question was, does Aaron Boone get the boot if the Yankees don't make the playoffs this year? And I mm. got to be honest with you. If the Yankees cannot turn it around in like the next 20 games, bro. And I'm talking like they go on a run of like 15 and 5 or better. They have to. Like, to show me that this team has some fight and some some balls, they have to, bro. Or else Aaron Boone has to go. I don't care who else you bring in um, because it's been proven that sometimes in a baseball season, a managerial change can really, you know, shift course. Like, we see teams make playoff runs and win championships after a managerial switch. So, I'm not saying that's in the cards for the Yankees. I'm just saying it's a possibility, but... Something's got to give because I'm so tired of watching this Yankee team. Yeah. I think if the Yankees miss the playoffs or get another first-round bounce, he's out. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, so, no, that's not even a question. And see ya. I don't he just care. He hasn't proven to be a good manager. In when game, it counts. In-game decisions, um, bullpen matchups, that kind of thing. The little intricacies of baseball that you have to be good at as a manager that you still have control over. With the whole analytics team taking over, I think he's not good at those here's little my, things. Here's my thing with Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone is a puppet, right, for Brian Cashman. And that takes feel away from the game. Baseball is a game of feel. Pitchers need a certain feel for their pitches. Batters need to feel a certain way to feel confident enough to hit these pitchers. You know what I mean? And managers should have a certain feel about what's going on in the game situationally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if they see that their pitcher is clearly struggling, but the analytics say to just let him push through, and vice versa, you need to have that fucking Wherewithal. baseball instinct to just be like, all right, I got to either pull this guy, or I got to stick with him. You know? Sometimes Aaron Boone's be... Aaron, Aaron Boone's... Aaron Boone pulls, <laughs> pulls guys too late. You know, the other day it happened with Jordan Montgomery. Thankfully, nothing... It wasn't... It didn't really hurt the Yankees, but he could have taken Montgomery out after uh, the first hit he gave up in that inning. And he lets, keeps him in and then gives up the tying double to Rob Refsnyder. So, you know, it's things like that that piss me off about Aaron Boone. It's the fact that he has, like, no gumption. Just, like, no fieriness about him. and He's just so bland. 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 It's just... I just feel like, you know... Not going to crucify the guy here, but he has made good decisions. He's made much more bad decisions, and I think that goes a long way when you're managing a baseball team. And this is the Yankees, man. You can't be bland. I'm sorry. Like, And that's what I kind of associate the Yankees with now. Just 
The Yankees are like dry white bread. If you listen to our last podcast, you'll get a lot of that. Boring. Boring. <laughs> so the second part of Richard's question wasn't really so much of a question as much of a suggestion, Yeah, I guess. A suggestion to, to show some more love to the Mets. And you know what? He's right. We got to show some more love to the Mets. They are still in first place in the NL East, and they do have the best pitcher in baseball on their team. That guy being Jacob deGrom. Uh, if you didn't know or lived under a rock, Jacob deGrom, I believe, is pitching to like a sub .8 ERA. Something That's ridiculous. just insane. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking stud. And right now, I believe he's... Trapped in a pitcher's duel with Blake Snell. I think he's only given up, what, one hit? One hit, and Snell's given up two. Yeah, so a really, in, I Bar- think, a very in, exciting game over in Queens. Barn burner. Word. But getting back to the rest of the Mets. The Mets, they've gone through a lot of injuries this year. I think they had, like, I think seven of their nine starters from opening day have been on the IL or are currently on the IL. You know what I mean? Um Francisco Lindor up until recently had not been hitting at all. Um, Pete Alonso was hurt, like we had mentioned. So now what the Mets were able to do was kind of weather that storm. You know what I mean? They had the injuries. They had the uh, some shit with COVID kind of happen where they lost some games. And, you know, they're performing in an underwhelming division. It's hard to win like that, but the Mets have done it. And... Somehow they're still atop of arguably the worst division in baseball, but they're still atop of it. You know, they're getting hot at the right time going into the summer season. So let's see if they can make a push and get themselves into the playoffs. I mean, I think they will. That definitely would be really cool for New York, you know, to see the Mets have a nice long postseason run. Maybe, you know, if the Yankees could fucking turn things around, maybe meet the Yankees in the World Series, that'd be great. That would be amazing. (laughs) That's really wishful thinking, but we're only in June. (laughs) Yeah, so hope that gives you two a a good answer on that one. Um, Let's get to our third question. Yes. We're kind of going back to the NBA. We haven't talked about this since our Knicks got embarrassed. Embarrassed. In the playoffs. And uh, shout out to my boy Nico. I know he's a Knicks fan too, and he actually... uh, Sent this next question in, and it was, what is our NBA Finals prediction, and who would be our NBA Finals MVP? Ooh. So, the NBA playoffs is fucking red hot right now. Like, let's break down the series. We got Phoenix and Denver right now, with Phoenix up 2-0. We got the 76ers in Atlanta tied at 1. Then we have the Nets and the Bucks with the Nets up 2-1. And then we have the... Clips in the Jazz with the Jazz up 2-0. I think we can both agree that the Nets are probably going to be our Eastern Conference representatives, correct? Oh, undoubtedly. And Unless I, something catastrophic happens. I mean, losing James Harden is a big deal. Yeah. But they should still walk to the M- NBA Finals. Yeah. I mean, Milwaukee, they kind of slowed them down the other day, you know, with that, uh, with the game three win, but I still think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are just going to be way too much for the Bucks to stop. So, and I really don't see the 76ers. You know, they're intertwined with the series right now with the Hawks, and the Hawks are fucking shooting the lights out in the gym, bro. Joel Embiid's still not healthy. I, I mean, he's still dropping forty, but like 
the Hawks are just shooting the lights out. Like I said, man, they're, you know, all of their starters, all even their role players are averaging like 15 points a game right now. They could make a push. So, they're a very feisty team. If they keep shooting that way, it, it's going to be hard for the 76ers to keep up with that much shooting, I think. That's, that's my only thing. So maybe the Hawks could somehow get it to Game 7 and beat them in, in seven games and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I just still don't think they would have enough to compete with the Nets, but um, they could make that series interesting. But I think I'm going to lean 76ers and Joel Embiid because he is a monster, even on a bad knee. I agree. So. Who knows how long this dream run can continue for Atlanta, if we can even call it a dream run, because they're proving that they can hang with the best. Yeah, Trey, Trey is... Trey's awesome. You know, we talked mad shit about him and he's proven us really wrong. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, I think where we have a little bit of a difference here is the Western Conference because honestly, I can make a case for the Jazz to get all the way to the finals and fucking win the whole damn thing. Okay. As much as I would not like to see that happen because then I would think um, that would lessen the Knicks chances of getting a guy like Donovan Mitchell to come here. But I really think the Jazz, well, the way Donovan Mitchell's playing right now, bro, tell me who's stopping him. I'm sorry. Just tell me. Tell me who's going to stop him. He's ridiculous. He's averaging 32 points per game in the playoffs and like 40 in the series right now. Well, to count yours, I think Phoenix is going to make it to the finals. I think that the youth that they have on their team that's already at a star talent level in Devin Booker, who can kind of go toe-to-toe with Donovan Mitchell, maybe even surpass that. And then you add in DeAndre Ayton, who's playing very well, and Chris Paul, who's finally going to get his finals appearance. And he's made such a difference on that Phoenix Suns team. They look like a completely different squad from last year. I think he was what they needed to take that next step. And I just think that the momentum of the Suns and Devin Booker, and it's all working for them, can kind of propel them into the Western Conference finals and eventually representing the west in the finals so do you think they're gonna win the finals now Oof. because i don't know man it's a lot if I, I i i'm gonna go with my team the jazz i think they could push the nets to seven games and potentially win the series especially if james harden is not healthy you know the jazz play very good defense i know they're missing mike conley right now but like i said donovan mitchell is playing on another stratosphere and Rudy Gobert is still the defensive player of the year. You know what I mean? That's going to count for something. They still got, they got sharpshooters on that team. Uh, Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich can shoot. Um, so they can match up with the Nets. Especially if James Harden isn't playing. So it's tough, man. I mean, if the Nets don't win this year was for nothing. Yeah. hundred percent. I actually have the Nets winning. I'm going to say six. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if it went seven, especially like if you said Harden misses some time. And my MVP is going to have to be KD. I think KD's just a better player than Kyrie. I think he's going to have to put more of the load on his shoulders if Harden doesn't play. So I think he's going to have to go into that next level where he's dropping 35, 40 a game to have to carry that Nets team into that game six victory over the Suns. All right, cool. So you got Nets in six over the Suns, and I have Jazz in seven over the Nets. Your finals MVP being Kevin Durant, my finals MVP being Donovan Mitchell. So that kind of leads us to our next question, which was sent in by Ice Went Rogue on Instagram. Shout out, Alberto. Uh, and he asks us, what star do you think the Knicks will get? 
So, like I said earlier, um, with my prediction of the Jazz making it and winning the NBA Finals, kind of puts a wrench into my uh, the original answer I had for this question. So, with that being said, I was initially going to go Donovan Mitchell, right? But if he wins the NBA Finals in Utah, he's probably going to want to stay there, right? You'd figure. So they're definitely going to sign him. Riddle me this, Zach. What's or who? Who is a young superstar in the league that may or may not be disgruntled with their situation after previously stating that we they would want to stay in this particular city for a very long time? Uh, he's a top two point guard in this league, if not number one, and. He's one of the coldest motherfuckers we've ever seen shoot the rock. A chance to send the thunder home. Lillard, long range three. And it's good! At the buzzer! Damian Lillard! Are you kidding me? Who is Dame Lillard? That would be correct, Zach. Dame time himself. I would love to see Dame Lillard in blue and orange, bro. That would be the thing that just propels the Knicks back into super, like to superstardom, super prominence in basketball. People would really start respecting the Knicks if they could get him to come here. I think all of New York would rejoice to that. And he's probably number one on my list too, but I'm gonna take a little bit more of a realistic approach to this whole thing. I think Bradley Beal is a very good trade target for the Knicks. I mean. He's not happy in Washington, and the Knicks could use that kind of shooter in the postseason runs on their team to complement, not really complement Julius Randle. Julius Randle can complement him. Kind of take the load off Julius Randle. Yeah, so I think that's more of a realistic approach to that question, but who wouldn't love some Dame time in New York? I know, man. It, it'd be great. You know, it's probably a pipe dream, but that's who I want to see. I want to see Dame time in New York. Me too. So our last question of the night is actually a two-parter sent in by Lewis Medence. We'll get to the second question later, but what do you guys think of players having more power in decisions and the effects on the league and the NBA? This is a good question because the NBA is a completely star-driven league. And I think that's clearly evident by the emergence of these super teams now. You know what I mean? It's these star players talking amongst themselves and being how can we all come together and, you know, dominate on one team you've seen it with the miami heat back in the day um wow i'm saying 2010 like back in the day that's fucking scary jeez um <laughs> uh the warriors a couple years ago and now you got the nets and that's pretty much what every team is trying to do how can we get the most stars to come to our team to make our team the best and in the nba it's always been that way because in basketball one guy can really, you know, change the entire course of your team. LeBron, when you first got drafted to yeah, Cleveland. Literally. I mean, without, the, without LeBron in the early 2000s, those Cavalier teams would not have won 30 games. M maybe not even 25 games, bro. You're, I think you're being generous. Yeah, they were god-awful. And then LeBron comes, and he's bringing these teams to the, East, to the, to the finals, you know? So I think that kind of speaks for itself about where the NBA is now. You see the Nets with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and KD all on the same team. 
Um, to a lesser extent, uh, Russell Westbrook trying to team up with Bradley Beal or wherever he feels like won't be mad at him <laughs> for the entire season. Um, you will see how that worked out for him. Yeah. So I mean, he did break the all-time record for triple doubles, but that's a selfish sport. Yeah. Selfish stat. I'm sorry. Selfish stat. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of what I think about the league. Uh, do I like it? Eh. I mean, I think when it comes to team building, you're spot on. But I think a player's perspective in an upper management you know, situation could be helpful. I think players see the game differently than owners, GMs, sometimes even coaches. Guys who haven't like necessarily played the game at that level. Right. So I think that could help in those types of situations, gotcha. like I said. Um, and the second part of the question was actually a really, really interesting one. We talked about it a lot before we actually started recording. It's what we think the draft capital in the NBA versus the NFL, which is more valuable. And I got to be honest here. We talked about this before. I think the NFL's draft capital is more valuable than the NBA's. And let me explain why. In the NFL draft, you have seven rounds to pick a multitude of different players. Now, an NFL roster is built with mostly two to seven rounders. Those two to seven rounders more than likely become great players, pro bowlers, sometimes even Hall of Famers. You can look it up. There's more Hall of Fame players picked between rounds two and seven, and those are bigger player pool, but that's just the facts. Than it is in the first round, right? Right. Um, I'm not going to say it's easier to rebuild in the NBA, but I think that a second, third, fourth round pick in the NFL is worth more than a second round pick or even a late first round pick in the NBA. I think building a team through free agency in the NBA is a lot easier than the NFL. But in terms of building a team up from the bottom in the NBA, it takes a lot of work. I, yeah, I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head. Um, building a team in the NFL, you need a team to win in the NFL. You could win with one guy in the NBA. If that guy is, you know, LeBron... Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, even Steph Curry. Steph Curry, yeah. Like, if he's a uber star, you are probably going to be very successful with that guy. That's not really the case in the NFL. Solely, I think, based off the physicality of the sport. You know what I mean? It takes all 11 guys doing their part to be successful in every phase of uh, football. But in the NBA, if one guy's kind of slacking... Another guy who's really, really good can probably pick up the slack for that guy and they can operate just as well, if not better. You know what I mean? So your margin for error is a little uh, less in the NBA uh, with you know less talent than it would be in the NFL with less talent, if that makes any sense. No, yeah. Now, outside of maybe the top two or three picks, most of these NBA guys aren't ready to contribute right away contribute right away or become that star player i mean some of these teams get lucky and that's really all it is they get lucky with the pick maybe they do some more research maybe they feel really good about it whatever the case may be they get a star immediately and they're instant contenders if you miss on a pick in the nfl draft your team is sent back years It it doesn't really recover easily if you miss on a pick in the nba draft you start all over and you draft again in the same spot most likely next year so yeah it does it it won't really 
it won't hurt you as much in the NBA. And I also think that a lot has to be attributed to the salary cap. Yes, 100%. Because, yes, there is a salary cap in the NBA, but look at what some of these guys are getting paid, bro. And they're all playing together on the same team. Exactly. Like, I think at, uh, the big three all average, what, damn near $40 million a year between the three of them. So it, it can be done in the NBA, but... In the NFL, if your roster is top-heavy, odds are you're not going to be very good or you're going to be average. Look at the Seahawks. Exactly. They gave their money to Russell Wilson. They can't build a team around him. And there you go. Uh, It's a hard cap in the NFL, and they don't mess around with that shit. Yeah, and just to mesh the two points together between the draft and the salary cap, when you have a team, just using as an example, the Seattle Seahawks, they paid Russell Wilson a lot of money. You got to draft good players to put around him because you can't sign anybody else. Those rookie contracts are really valuable to a team in the third or fourth year of that player's option. So that that's why it's kind of important to have good draft capital in the NFL because if you don't and you're stuck in that salary cap hell is what they call it. Yes. You are doomed for years to come. Whereas the NBA, there's a little wiggle room and you can always draft a star. Exactly. So to kind of wrap up that point, I think we can both agree that NFL draft capital is a lot more valuable than NBA draft capital, but it is a lot harder to rebuild from the bottom in the NBA than it is to rebuild from the bottom in the NFL. I agree. That's actually going to wrap up our first ever mailbag episode, Zach. Uh, what'd you think about that? That was pretty fun, right? No, I had a lot of fun. I think you guys sent in a bunch of good questions and looking forward to doing this in the near future. So look out for those posts. Yeah, definitely. Uh, once again, thank you guys for listening. Hope y'all had a good time and uh, take care. Peace.